Hello and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, gender is a construct, tear it apart, steal. And I am Jade. What is my name? It's still Jade Rose, and I'm a sci-fi <laughs> protagonist in a mundane life who just fucked up their title. But this is our third attempt to start recording today, so we're not going back. We're rolling with it. Third attempt today. Oh fourth god! Fifth overall. It's been it's been rough. It's been rough. I'm very sorry. We're very happy to be together again. Yes, and we're happy to be talking to you guys. We have missed you. Genuinely, I really missed the sort of process of putting the episodes out and seeing the feedback and. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's we, been lots of technical issues. Yeah, um, uh, we're looking at upgrading the internet here at BNI headquarters. <laughs> uh, Skype is an evil mistress that we are beholden to. I'm on Skype as well, and I'm thinking of changing. I said Skype. Oh. But, you know, because, you know, Skype is how we speak. Yes. Because um, I haven't worked out how to use Discord. I can't use Discord through uh, the master computer. So, but uh, yeah. yeah, tech issues. We tried to record and it just sounded awful. And we'd rather put off putting an episode out than give you guys something that we aren't happy with the sound quality mm-hmm. of. I wanted to say, because there was not a lot of speculation, but I just wanted to clarify um, my brother in law died. And that happened on the day we're going to record. Um, my husband flew back to Australia. I took care of some house things he was going to take care of. And the break has been actually, as sad as it is not to see you, it's been quite appreciated, I suppose, as well, just to take one thing off my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to thank everyone for being so patient and lovely. And yes, thank you, guys. We've had nothing but like likes and things on, on the Twitter and stuff, and everyone's just been wonderfully supportive and cool about it which isn't that surprising because we have lovely and cool listeners but (laughs) we still are grateful so thank you hopefully you'll enjoy this yeah we're coming back is a catch-up geek out we know you love them (laughs) it feels necessary because i really do need to catch up yeah it really has um i think it's our fifth one it is it is indeed we i i checked the system we're having them on a very regular we unintentionally had been scheduling them perfectly regularly, so we will be continuing with that trend because it makes me feel like we planned something, even though we didn't. Um, and since when we originally were going to record this, a lot of the things we're going to catch up and geek out about have happened, happened or had or developments, <laughs> developments or gone. So, yeah, I'm looking to, I'm looking forward to hearing what you're going to geek out about. Who well. Let's do sort of a bit of a more of a, a general geek out. Let's come along to Tabletop Corner. <laughs> which is... Rolling of a dice sound effect. Oh, I have my dice nearby. I How could... do you not have dice just attached to you on some If form? I could get a D20 on a necklace, I would have it. And <laughs> oh, I also that's w- quite cool. I want a D20 tattoo. I'm going to mm. work it into a sleeve. But that's neither here nor there. We're here at Tabletop Corner. The uh, the game mat is down. The minis are out. These are all lies, but I hope you're enjoying <laughs> this visual we're painting for you. Oh, it's been a bit of an ups and downs in my tabletop career. Mm-hmm. As of late, there was um, as as regular listeners well know. Um, I'm in a couple of regular games. Uh, I have my Thursday night game, and I have my Saturday night game, which is streamed on the Thursday night game. We are. Uh, 
wound up having a basically a TP, effective TPK. Uh, for those of you maybe not up with the vernacular, that's a total party kill. Mm-hmm. And was very distressing in many ways. Um, and uh, we're now sort of picking up 20 years later in the same world, like the events that led to our TPK, sort of the beginning of a of an arch devil like coming to the material plane and seizing power and we're sort of 20 years down the line playing a bunch of assholes instead mm-hmm. we're basically like the fantasy a team except <laughs> i don't know what the a team in a team stood for whether it was just like they were the number one team so they were the a team mm-hmm. but in our case the a team stands for assholes <laughs> and we're all like chaotic neutral or lawful evil and um we're really enjoying the characters, but our current situation, we may be about to have another TPK and we're all kind of like, we need to talk to our DM about this. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's coming up. So next time we have a, a geek out catch up, um, that feels so wrong to say it that way round. <laughs> felt wrong catch in my mouth. Geek out. It's a catch up geek out. That's how we roll. <laughs> roll. Um, but... <laughs> That is a bit of a thing, but I'm really loving my character. What's great is that I'm playing um, a white dragonborn who is non-binary mm-hmm. and uses they, them pronouns. And everybody in my group has been really good about it. And it was just very nice for me. We actually had a whole conversation with someone. So actually, um, what are Kite's pronouns and how do they look visually? It's just like, do you really want to put mammalian mammalian sexual secondary characteristics on a giant lizard? Mm. so like the idea that you can't get a read on kite gender even if you happen to be very adept at <laughs> dragonborn anatomy i seem to be but um it's interesting uh my dm in that game is french mm-hmm. uh so he struggles a little bit with the idea of because everything is gendered in french language wise yeah. so it's been a bit of a struggle for him but the effort everyone's made has really been awesome um and i got to play in a one shot as part of a charity 24-hour live stream um, where I got to play a softly spoken half-orc barbarian with a wood elf boyfriend ranger and it was just really fun and they were very cute and um, yes it was a, a good time was had by all um, I have this long standing track record where my one shot characters are significantly better at rolling than my characters I play on long term mm-hmm. and uh, it just makes me feel like I should either maybe play characters that don't use magic more or i don't know it's just it's an entertaining trend i have to say don't think i've ever played a real magic user before and get too daunted hard yeah but they're more of a buff class anyway i don't know it didn't feel like i was using spells properly that'd be cool we'll talk about it it'll be fun you could be like a dwarven sorcerer it'd be Mm. great but uh, you're playing monster hearts right now aren't you i am how's it going um, i've actually had a, a session since when we were going to do the uh, mm-hmm. catch-up, so I've actually had a bit more experience. It's really fun. Yeah. It looks... I'm playing it, but um, Mel, the piss witch from a few... <laughs> Our beloved piss witch. Our beloved piss witch. Long may they reign. Is the um, uh, GM, and uh, it looks like such a fun job. It looks very hard, mm. and Mel's doing an amazing job. But also... It looks like something I would really like to do. Yeah. Um, it seems like a system I've really got my head around in a way. Is that... it powered by the apocalypse? Two d six plus stat. Yes. Um, it's just, but the the fact that you don't plan anything. Yeah. Um, 
everyone at the table was sort of their own little GM of their story. That's wonderful. We're building the world together. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first session, we uh, it, the whole session was done... Well, the whole game is just a series of questions. Oh, right. That's cool. Um, the GM would just say, like, things like, why are you in the diner tonight? Oh, cool. And, and then you, go, you just sort of... Oh, well, and you, and you just go, well, it's because I've been kicked out and I've done this. And then it so builds fun. this world. It's so interesting. That's um, cool. I'm playing an adorable, um, reluctant fae cool. called Wadge. Um, Wadge. Yes, I've already used the pun, uh, <laughs> a love interest is gay for fae. Um, I'm very proud <laughs> of you. Um it's great, but everyone at the table, we, we don't know... The other thing is that the whole concept of the game is built around relationships. Yeah. And um, there are lots of uh, stats and information for asexual characters or oh, that's sort good. of sexual repulsion and things like that. But it is also built into the game that we... Um, I mean, the the handbook has a massive page about this game is queer, do not play it. If it's not going to be queer, there's no point in it. That's not the point of the game. Fair. Um you can play if you're not, but yeah. you're, it's assumed that your characters are... Um, How delightful. Which is fun. And so I don't actually know who at the table I'm possibly sort of being uh, paired with romantically. Yeah. Yeah, or everyone. Um, the One of the players at the game is also in another game and keeps re- telling us how different those games are because in that game everyone hates each other. Yeah. In our game everyone's kind of chummy and friends. That's cool. Um, and it's just great. I mean, we keep... We use lots of points of reference as well as Buffy and Riverdale and mm-hmm. trying to get that kind of heightened reality, melodramatic, uh, everything's important because you're a teenager vibe. Yeah. Um that's and great. also, it's been really fun because in the evenings we go home from the school and we watch each other's sort of one-on-one little role-play sessions. Oh, cool! And uh, no, no, I want to play Monster Yeah, I, it's kind of a game I can't believe you're not like. Hey, if you guys can't see that I'm doing a an exasperated face. I want to do it. It seems so perfect for lots of ideas. You have to. Um, you have to run one before Lydia yeah. goes. Well, I've got a few games I need to run for Lydia. Yeah, get on Our that. friend who's moving back to Canada in October, who I'm trying to plan a, a huge victory tour of fun activities for. That would be cool. Um, we need to do the beach before the summer ends. Yeah, That's but it's a, it is um, it's very entertaining and very easy to pick up, mm-hmm. and it's honestly the kind of game any group of friends can just yeah uh, pick up and play with the PDF. Um, That's cool. Without any real. I don't know. The game comes from you. The tone comes from you. And what the other thing is that's what I really like about it is that even so you're dealing with teenagers with complicated love lives and there's a lot of and often with very um, complicated family lives. Yeah. So there's a lot of potential for uh, possibly triggering material. Yeah. Um, There's lots of kind of rules mechanics around that. I was going to say to discuss like lines and veils before. Yeah. We have a sort of an X card and things we don't want to talk about. Yeah. Um, That's great. there's lots of things about uh, you can choose either to stop and sort of go back and redo something or fast forward through oh, something that's cool um, that's a good mechanic you can sort of just end a scene when you want it to as oh well. like do a fade to black or yeah. whatever they, they say like fade to black a lot cool um, but it's great I it's suppose awesome. that's the advantage of a system that's sort of based around being sort of like episodic and cinematic mm. and, and stuff like that so that's interesting yeah it does feel like a, a fun great TV show that that's cool 
I'm jealous. Yeah. But I want to do more things based on the Apocalypse World idea because it's yeah very. I've started. I've started playing Dungeon World. Mm. We've had a we had our world building session and our first thing, and uh, I really love my character. Um, he slash they because um, they use both. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a halfling ranger. My track record of playing characters that are either very small or very tall continues, and they have their giant wolf buddy who is their companion, and they are sort of like 16, 17 years old and like kind of dealing with being destined for this role and trying to figure out what that role means in the world and for them. And they've also got kind of an attitude problem because they've got lots of issues of self-esteem. And they got to punch somebody in the dick (laughs) in our first session. And it was great. It was really good fun. So, uh, I mean, the first first session in our game... Uh, Mel went around the table and said what we were doing in this classroom mm-hmm. and said, oh, I'm doing this. I'm, you know, looking at my books. Oh, I'm trying to whatever. And got to one person and he said, oh, I'm in the boys' toilet jerking off to create a spell so I can find out what the answer to a test is. And I was like, that's a bit of world building I wasn't yeah. expecting, but it really set a tone and... That's great. I don't know. Came out of nowhere a little bit. Beautiful. That's what we're doing. <sighs> But let's leave delightfully episodic TV show-like feeling tabletop games to talk about a TV show getting another episode when we thought it wouldn't. Ah, yes. Like, (sighs) so, Sense8, hashtag Sense8. Hashtag Renew Sense8. Hashtag Renew Sense8. Essentially worked better than I ever expected to. Better than any of us could have expected it to. Um, It is getting a final finale episode. Yeah, I think it's like a two-hour long... Mm. Wrapping all up, wrapping it up. Um, Lana Wachowski wrote a lovely letter to the fans. Um, mm-hmm. set, and the only thing that worries me about it is that she says at the end, and who knows, maybe afterwards we can do more. And like, no, either that's that's great, but just give us something. Yeah, no, that give does us have a an concrete ending, ending please. Please. Some kind of satisfying conclusion. Yeah. Um, which I'm, that's the only thing that bothers me about shows getting cancelled is when. The They're last left. episode doesn't know it's going to be be the last, so mm. yeah. But that was we were delighted to see that was the case. Yeah, hopefully the same thing will happen to the get down. Um, but being the sensate loving queers that we are, well, yeah, just a couple of you know a few episodes ago we that was the name we, of our episode. We were basically crying about it. Hashtag new sensate. So that's really cool. And uh, also, we um, are very hyped and also rather annoyed at the BBC because <laughs> the news of who is going to be playing the next Doctor drops this afternoon slash this evening after the men's final. We're like, this couldn't have happened yesterday, so yeah. we could talk about it with you guys, but we thought we're not going to put off another week episode just so we can talk. <laughs> maybe maybe if it's particularly exciting news or yeah. ban- maybe we'll do like a mini-sode, like five minutes, we'll get on yeah. Skype and Our views. talk about it. That, yeah. Actually, I, th- I meant to mention that to you before we started recording. Well, we'll um, everyone listening to us will already know. Um, yeah. So. so you know more than we do right now. Mm. Oh, the irony. Ooh, time and travel. that's the textbook <laughs> definition of irony. Um, Thank you. I knew what you then. <laughs> Thank you. Um... Yeah, I mean, I have hopes, but I don't want to get them up. Yeah, I think 
it's always interesting when this comes around again just like the sheer outrage like you guys know i think we've talked about it before our feelings on who we'd like the type of person we would like to see play the doctor it's just hilarious as always just to see the bizarre bullshit like the tardis will be full of bras yeah that like there's one that says like only men men can time travel in time yeah because apparently there hasn't been any female characters in the show has there no um it's so bizarre, and it's like just, the logic people twist themselves into. You can't. Like, I don't get it. You can't do any kind of argument against people yeah. who have these views. Yeah, no, exactly. I think Paul Cornell did a good tweet earlier today that you and I both retweeted mm. about. Like for people, for some people, it doesn't matter what you say, you can't argue with them. Yeah, for some people, just the existence of women or people of color or LGBT people is inherently shocking and political that must be really exhausting yeah but it's like they are everywhere they are we are everywhere we are (laughs) legion we are coming for you yeah make them frightened they Um, should be frightened they should be i mean that that's not the world we live in and i think it's interesting how much the feeling towards a female doctor has changed over the years Mm -hmm. to the point where now it's assumed yeah that you would uh that is in the show's future. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk more about um, this, season, this most recent season of Doctor Who uh, after, the, after the break. But um, with everything with Missy, mm. it's not just been talked about now. It's something we have seen. And not. I feel like almost more important than Missy was in uh, last season when the general, who was a white Yeah, we man, saw her on screen. Re- regenerated on screen into a black, black woman. woman. Um because even with mm. Missy, there was people saying True. that we didn't... Yeah, I saw this um, great tweet, which really made me laugh, which was the reason why the Doctor was exiled from Gallifrey was because he kept insisting on regenerating into a white man. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone was like, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> which tickled me to no end. I mean, can't, the casting of the actor has always just been out of universe decisions. It's just casting. But I've enjoyed some of the uh, fan speculation about why he chooses re- chooses certain faces. Yes. Um, that was a very big thing with, like, choosing this particular face. Yes. This, Cavalli's this one was season. very much in the show. Um, but, I mean, actually, P- pa- Patrick Troughton and Colin Baker have both played other people in the show. Mm-hmm. And David Tennant's done a lot of big finish mm-hmm. before yeah. he was the Doctor. Um, I found so much through the... Oh, no, that's oh, I was going to... It's just I was really blown away by how frequently Capaldi looked like uh, John Pertwee in mm. this last episode, his like big hair. with the big hair and the sleeves, and it's just like in moments, just like wow. I watched some of his first season where his hair was very short and very Malcolm Tucker, and yeah. it honestly doesn't feel canon. Yeah, <laughs> it's, and actually, I've been watching random old episodes, and I got like thirty minutes into Fires of Pompeii, yeah, without even thinking that it was a essentially a multi-doctor story in a yeah. way, and. And he's a very good actor, and I would definitely yes. miss him. Yeah, no, Capaldi's run. But we're talking about Doctor yes. Who later. Sorry. Really. That's fine. Um, right, that, that, that's sort of our lives a little bit. Um, I just, I feel I quickly say, before we get into um, our proper geek outs, um, I had my assessment for mm. um, autism. And I got the job! Well done! <laughs> sort of. Um, no, I, I have been officially diagnosed with autistic spectrum disorder. Mm-hmm. And I'll be getting a 
nice report within the next month telling me why the psychologist came to that conclusion. But for me, it's very gratifying yeah. to know that my research and stuff was right. Basically, I've been proven right, which yes. is always a good feeling. But knowing that my brain is working the way it does is very... It's such a weight off my mind, my mind and my soul in a lot of ways. But what I found really interesting is now I've had that, like even coming up to the assessment when my mum started doing research because mm -hmm. she came with me and was like, oh, oh, and my partner has started doing research since. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I just thought you were being a dick <laughs> when you did this. A friend of mine a few years ago posted on Facebook just got diagnosed with autism and someone commented, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And they went, uh, uh, I think the reply was like, oh honey. Oh honey, no. <laughs> no, this is the best news this I've ever the, had. Exactly, that's it's how I felt. so life-affirming. Yes. And um, it doesn't mean that you instantly start blaming everything on it. It's, no. It's just that it... I mean, I've not been diagnosed with the things I think I have, and I really want to, having been inspired by you. Um, but even, I'm sure you had the same thing, even when you first start reading up about things, mm -hmm. the kind of slotting of things in your head that makes things make sense. Yeah. So, yeah, that happened. I just wanted to share that with you guys and say, if you feel like you've that you might be in a similar place pursue it if you can if it's very it's financially scary. viable if you're married it is scary and there's very little that can be done for me now <laughs> like the guy was just like oh where do you live oh right yeah no resources are awful there okay fair enough mm -hmm. but knowledge is a powerful thing and knowledge of the self is a very useful thing to have so mm. yeah let's dive in Hamish <laughs> let's start let's start with one of yours okay well this is something, again, I wanted to talk about on the episode, but I unfortunately can't really talk about. Um, the game Dream Daddy, mm. a dad dating simulator, um, was supposed to come out on Thursday, but has been delayed until Wednesday. Mm -hmm. um, totally understand. All the makers have been having sleepless nights and trying to get it finished. They weren't expecting it to become this huge, big... Internet sensation. Internet sensation. Um, I have a lot of feelings about it, not 100% positive. I feel like we should expound on that. Yeah, and so I want to, again, I'll probably want to do an update once I've played the game. Sure. Um, but I, my my comments are less to do with the game. I think I get what the game is. Yeah. It's a dating sim. It's a dating sim where you play as a dad who dates other dads. Awesome. It's awesome. It comes at a time when I felt very dissatisfied with the uh, MLM male-loving men uh, options in Mass Effect and yeah, a few other games. Yeah, I It sort of came out of nowhere, and I, I was saying, I just want a really well-done, nuanced gay dating sim, essentially. Um, and lo and behold. Lo and behold has come out. Um, my instant reaction was fear. <laughs> um, it has voice acting by the Game Grumps. Are they all of the dads? I don't know how many Game Grumps there are. Um, Are they the only voice actors in I it? I don't think so. It's it's sort of plus friends. Understood. Um, the Game Grumps have got a lot better over yeah. time, but they have a tendency to find homoeroticism and romanticism 
a funny punchline in itself. They do a lot of jokes at the expe- at expense of, isn't it funny to imagine if we were a couple kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't, it's like, but they are so much, I don't think of them as bad people necessarily. Yeah. I think it's just, that's what, what kind of humor happens when you're a straight dude. Yeah. Um, the actual creators are uh, queer. They did a lot of research into getting it nuanced. Mm-hmm. And I saw you had a Twitter exchange with one of the writers. I, I did. I, as soon as the game, I felt a bit bad. As soon as the game was an- announced, I just saw constant praise and excitement. And I was among the few people sending messages of concern saying... Well, we talked about this with our movie episode, just like the fear. Yeah, I was scared that it was a big joke because ultimately it is sort of a joke. There's a lot of dad humour. Yeah. And the, the trailer for the, the trailer for game says, are you ready? Hi, ready. I'm dad. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of the humor comes from that, but it is a funny concept. Imagining nine dads, gay dads who are single living, ready to mingle, le- ready to living in the same area. And, yeah. but um, they said they wanted to start, like it started off as a funny, that funny idea. And the more they played on it, the more it's actually quite interesting. All right. No other dating sim so far has really, done the whole this kind of mechanic of you've got to date the dad and also be on good terms with the child yeah and your kid has to like like the kids and stuff yeah um, that's cool I've seen a lot of people cosplaying the dads and your daughter yeah who is adorable yes and is my daughter <laughs> yeah I was going to say it's really good to see such a visually diverse yeah it's group also of dads the um character creation is like the only character creation I've seen where you can be fat <laughs> and uh has good hair options, which is always like the worst thing about male I was character say, creation. I, 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 having seen the art, there are a couple of dads that I yes. I've not decided who I've going to romance. Who I've romanced? I think I need to meet them first. I think that's very mature. Um, if you make an informed decision about dating, it shouldn't just be about looks. That said, I still have concerns, mm-hmm. and I think the game itself—it's one of those things where once it's pulled out of the intended context, it becomes slightly different. I think a lot about Hamilton. Yes, and how I've seen a lot, I've seen some criticisms about stuff to do with you know making founding fathers cool. Yeah, and I think the context of that is very different when it's a kind of weird off Broadway passion project to the biggest thing to hit Broadway ever, and most of the people going are very rich people who don't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like the context, un- like so, Dream Daddy is like a really fun idea for an indie game. It's become so big and popular that with that comes some problems. Yeah. Uh, one of them is obviously we talk about this quite a lot. The sort of fetishization of kind of gay men couples. I feel slightly uncomfortable with the meme of dad sonas. Yeah. Um, because uh, <sighs> I know there's a problem with the sort of the daddy kink. But yeah, this that's game is not what that is. No, that's not what this is. This game is actually about dads dating dads. Yeah, the idea of gay and bi men who have children mm-hmm. trying to date people and that complicated thing, and that's real. Yes, and also the fact that it's actually quite difficult for gay people or to have children mm-hmm. to be dads. This is quite a wish fulfillment sort of fantasy in that's a way, lovely. because. Either they, either it's a huge struggle and everything is against them to get a child, or someone's probably been hurt. Yeah. Um, Which the is, game. Yeah, there's an inherent sort of undercurrent of tragedy that there, or yeah. there's sadness there. I mean, so to see these, this opportunity for to be happy, 
Mm. And in love, is wonderful. Yeah, I'm interested to see in the game how much they touch on if some if some of the kids have mothers or if... Yeah. I, I, I wanted to know the stories. And yeah. I don't know... I kind of respect either if they completely ignore it and it's mm. just in its own little fantasy world. Yeah. Or it gets a little bit real. Mm. I just want to see how it does that. Am I going to be able to play this on my laptop? Yes, it's available on Steam. It's I think it's a it's not expensive. I think cool. it's about £14, maybe, which is okay for a game, I guess. I have to wait till I come hang out with you at your place. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's one of these things where this is me. It's good to talk about it on the podcast, but if you want to see my instant reactions, you should probably follow me on Twitter, but I'll talk to that with my Twitter name at the end. But um, I will probably update you next time we... Cool. I look forward to it. Talk, yeah. As with everything in media, I feel a bit like a no fun allowed type of gay sometimes where, yeah, that's fun. But anyway, here's my eight tweets list of of issues. As I said, it's like when we were talking about the movies, Mm. uh, formative queer movies, you guard your heart when these these things are important. Um, There is just such a loadedness. That's a word. Uh, To creating this kind of media and, Mm. The, the 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 massive reaction has so been so largely positive, but like I said, that isn't an indication necessarily that it's going to be smooth sailing. So, I, I the fact that the developers have said like we care about this game and things like that and didn't yeah. want to rush it that that's coming from the, the interactions I've seen on Twitter just gives me hope that these are good people and this is going to be a good game. Yeah, and I, and I look forward to seeing stuff about it as we go forward. I also very quickly I find it interesting that the the things that seem to really blow up on the internet are diverse things about Who knew? I know. The, Who knew? I think the one of the biggest the definitely the biggest ever comic ever on Kickstarter Check Please, isn't is it? Is Check Please and any project like this gets so much funding and support and attention. Mm. People the the people are thirsty for that good good content. Mm. I mean slightly not maybe kind of related but I've been enjoying how much the promotional stills of Black Panther have just yes. been like so popular. Like the costuming yes. and the cast it's is incredible. Gorgeous. Um, the costumes are gorgeous. The people are gorgeous. Yeah. The movie looks gorgeous. And just the fact that everyone like, and like I, on top of this, like you know how Wonder Woman has made so much money, and just mm-hmm. I know it's sad that it only happens when you realize it, we're profitable. Pay but, attention. Pay attention, Hollywood and yeah. game developers. See this shit. This is not an isolated incident. Like, I think, like, Tom... I don't know. I don't, whatever. I don't know. What, I was going to go on and talk about the mummy. <laughs> I don't need let, to. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not and say we did. So, what have you been... Um, I'm going to save... There is a rooster a couple of doors <laughs> down who is very passionate about Dream Daddy, it would seem. <laughs> well, really, he'd be the daddy of that coop. I'm going to stop. No, no. right. I'm going to shut up. I want to talk about Taz a little bit. Um, The Adventure Zone um, is moving into its finale. This week we had... Was it this week? Yeah, this week we had part one of the finale. Don't know how many parts it's going to be. I did a lot of swearing and shrieking and clapping and laughing and crying in delight at it. Um, I'm not going to be spoilery here because... Mm-hmm. that's mean and because in the coming weeks Hamish is going to talk to me a lot about the Adventure Zone and you guys are going to get to hear me talk about it 
at length. I'm sure you're all delighted. <laughs> um, what I wanted to talk about was actually the end of the last arc um, and some really effective sound design. Okay. Um, for um, so my my um, partner is a sound engineer, and sound design has always been very interesting to me. Um, the way the outside of narrative, what we hear, is so powerful. Um, I've always had very keen hearing, so I tend to pick up a lot on audio details. You know, audio processing is an issue I have, but I've always been very sensitive to that kind of thing and enjoyed the art of Foley and how you can create things using just audio and how it bypasses a lot of stuff, like to the point you're not even realising you're having input. Mm -hmm. But what I really appreciated about this finale is, I won't explain the context of which, but uh, static is a big thing, like in terms of a lost memory. And mm. I don't feel that's too spoilery no. to say, but the way this was utilised in the finale of that arc was devastatingly effective to the point where my heart felt like it was being ripped from my chest and squeezed like a ripe orange in front of me. I think, I don't really know what, I'm just geeking out about, look, it's fucking good sound design. It is good sound design. Uh, the fact that uh, Griffin does everything for the Adventure Zone he is the he is the dungeon master, so he's the writer. He produces it. He does all the he composes original music for it, and has to conceive of this sound. Like sound design doesn't come up a lot. They don't do a lot of effects sound wise. Um, though in recent arcs, he has done for voices and things like that yeah. for to really great effect. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated, and I think for uh, uh, for for me as somebody's looking to expand the kind of podcasts that we're doing um i'll talk about that more at a later date i find it very inspiring the way that yes it's an audio medium but to go beyond just great stories to to build build this sort of like soundscape and it's that just draws you in and it makes me very happy as a consumer of narratives to be taken on this journey like a step deeper than it would have been mm. otherwise and static has no right to be that upsetting, <laughs> but it really kind of is. It's impressive how much the show's evolved. Um, mm. I listened to all of it in a quite quick space of time, and it's quite a while until there's any music or any sound effects, mm. and then it slowly creeps in, and it feels very natural, and um, it's very interesting. It's just, yeah. it, there's nothing else quite like it, in a way, there are lots of other um, actual, actual play, play things. Um, but I think it's very interesting from a fandom point of view in terms of it's it's both actual play but treated so much like a story of episodes mm -hmm. with writing and things. Um, but I'm sure we'll do a yeah, this proper... Is, yeah, this is something we're going to talk it. about more. I don't think the finale is going to be finished, given how... Things always take longer yeah. with them than they think. But it will probably be almost finished when we do our sort of more in-depth episode uh, yeah. about the Adventure Zone. I'm looking forward to talking about it because it is such a cool phenomenon in a lot of ways. Yeah. But Hamish, back to you. Well, I was wondering if you'd like a cup of tea. You know what? I would love a <laughs> cup of tea. Let's, uh, let's put the kettle on. 
It's the middle section of the show. And we are very much enjoying our tea. Yes. Um, I'm going to talk about a particular type of tea. Is it by any chance a tea made by our amazing sponsor, Beastly Beverages? It is. They are fandom and fantasy luxury hand-blended loose-leaf tea and tea-related geeky paraphernalia. They're queer-owned, all ingredients are organic and fairly traded, and almost all of the products are suitable for vegans. We're big fans of it here, but I want to hear about this cup of tea. This cup of tea was my first ever cup of tea. Ever? Ever. Are you sure you're English? (laughs) I... Tea and coffee has always been something I've just assumed I don't like. Mm-hmm. I don't really like hot drinks. Fair. Um, I associate tea with when I was a kid and my mum would... And I'd say, oh, can we go and do this quickly? And my mum said, okay, just a cup of tea. Two hours go past. Yep, same. Um, whenever someone says, oh, I've just got a tea, I'm just like, but but no. We need to leave. We need to leave. Even if it doesn't actually take that long nowadays. So I just kind of held off. I'd had iced tea before, but I assumed that was just a completely different... Beverage. Beverage. So at Gabe's house once, I decided to partake in my first ever cup of tea, and it was Tea Beast. Okay, what's in Tea Beast? Tea Beast is a black tea with dried apple and cinnamon pieces, blackberry leaves, um, and I can't pronounce it, safflower petals? Possibly. Safflower petals. Safflower. Safflower. Um, it was lovely. I, it's, it's, all of those ingredients blend together to make something that feels very refreshing, mm-hmm. which I wasn't expecting tea to be. Yeah. Um, the apple is very subtle. It's not something you notice. Yeah. Apples, again, a taste, I like apples, but I find the taste of apple like I don't like crumble or yeah, apple cook, cooked pie. apples weird with me too. Don't really like it. It's all these things working against me. Don't seem up, but I had a lovely time, and I yeah. drank the whole. I haven't. I've yet to convert to a full tea person. Yeah, I haven't had the cravings yet. Mm-hmm. But if you want to have your first ever cup of tea, this is a quite a good one to start with. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you can check. You can find uh, where to buy your own bag of loose leaf tea beast um, at beefsleepbeverages.com. They've also got a Patreon. Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram, which are slightly harder places to get the tea from, <laughs> but are uh, nonetheless very interesting. Um, and if you use the sponsor code Beverage Beast, all one word, capital Beast, you can get free shipping when you spend twenty pound or more, and they ship worldwide. So yeah, that's Beverage Beast, all one word, capital letters, <laughs> capital uh, B's, capital B's. Um, and yeah, that's BC Beverages. I said I would do a different slogan each time, so I've got to come up with one. Uh, <laughs> let's slurp it up. With beastly beverages. That was disgusting. That was awful. Next time would be better. That was gross. Um, reminder, book tickets to Nine Worlds Geek Fest. It's run from the 4th to the 6th of August. They still have tickets available if you follow their official Twitter. People who have maybe not been able to go to the con are looking to sell tickets on. It really is an amazing weekend. We'll be there. Yes, the Box Not Included live show is on the 5th, on the Saturday, mm-hmm. um, early in the morning. <laughs> it is early in the morning. Natural on... times to listen to podcasts. Yeah. You're, you can pretend you're on your commute. Yeah. Um, and we're very excited and terrified, mm-hmm. and it'll be lovely to see you there. Yes. Um, I'm doing a, I'm doing a few things, including a <laughs> just workshop. Just a few. Just a few. Just a few. Just a few. Uh, including a workshop on getting started in Dungeons & Dragons. Um and yeah, it's it's a really wonderful environment, family friendly. And if you were to come along and find us, that would be awesome. 
That'd be great. I want to just pitch, uh, promote one last thing. What? This, this Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to be doing my Pantheon tour in, whoop, whoop. in Manchester, Leeds, Newcastle, and York, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Not and- New York, just York. York, that's it. The old York. The Sorry, old, the, the original, the OG. There's <laughs> a little bit of a tour. OG York. Um, also, the tour poster says San Diego Comic Con because the uh, tour is with Travelling Man, who have a stall there, and you can buy my exclusive tour poster there as well Ooh. if you're in Comic Con. So I can sort of half say that I attended, but I didn't. Uh, if you're in any of those cities, just check out. Um, there's an event page. I'll put it in Twitter show notes. I haven't prepared. Yeah, this we'll, bit. we'll we'll pin the we'll pin, we'll do a tweet and pin it on the on the official Twitter. Oh, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Um, but um, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, just like to say that to you all. We appreciate everyone. We love you. And thank you for not skipping this bit. Yeah, <laughs> I finished my tea. You want to go back in? Let's dive straight back into our catch up geek out. <laughs> We are the biggest pair of fucking dorks, and I love us. I'm very cool, and I've never been a dork in my life. Um, <laughs> this episode is actually... Uh, Speak for yourself, Homer. This episode feels like a bumper long one. Um, so I was just going to talk about a couple of things, mm. um, which... Hit me, rapid fire. Which quick, quite quick. Um, I read a manga, which is not something I do very much. Mm-hmm. Tell um, me about called it. Called My Brother's Husband. And this sounds homosexual. It is a bit homosexual. It's by <gasps> Gengora Tagami. Um, he usually is famous for doing big bara boy sexy books. But this is an all-ages attempt, all even right. though the boys in it are thick and juicy. The thing that I want to talk about is that I actually I liked it, but... You sound so surprised. Very misled, I oh. feel. So, the cover is a little girl and these two big boys, and it's called My Brother's Husband. Mm-hmm. Thought I was going to get those two big boys, and the little girl was the sister of mm-hmm. the said brother. Yeah. Not quite true. Oh. And I felt quite annoyed throughout it, because it's actually about the one of the big boys is the brother of a gay person who is killed off on the first page. And this brother is homophobic, and it's told from his point of view. Uh, and this is not spoilers, it's the, the pr- premise. That's the premise. And his brother's husband yeah. flies back from Canada mm-hmm. to meet his brother and find out about his life in Japan. Okay. So, when I started reading it, it was a bit... It's so confusing to me to go back into that kind of mindset of what someone feels about gay people yeah so i felt quite i don't know i just wanted to warn people about that it, yeah it, the, it, the the cover and everything looks so charming and funny and happy and but to instantly get, get killed off and then thought of as disgusting straight away yeah it's a bit of uh <laughs> expectation whiplash mm-hmm. but it is actually quite interesting and quite good okay it's th- it's something that it's been sort of pretty promoted and translated and everything um, as this big new thing, but as a, it's very interesting just to see the attitude towards gay people in Japan. And yeah. the premise is about how he changes his view. Um, okay. It does feel like the kind of story maybe we were doing a few years ago 
that we wouldn't necessarily mm. do nowadays. Yeah, but I mean, you and I can't speak to exactly. what it's like to be queer so in Japan. It was, it was actually a lot more educational than I expected it well, to be. Something. I thought it would be sort of fluffy, harmless fun. Yeah. Um, but it's a bit of a, a wild ride. And, yeah. you know, it's made by a gay person. Well, that's good. And I've always said that you can kill off your own gays. Yeah, I actually um, saw a really good discussion about that the other day, just like indie queer creators and why we shouldn't be punished for telling the kind of stories we want to tell yeah like we can kill our own gays as it were i, I killed you in my comic you did <laughs> and i still feel bad about that you shouldn't um you asked me first it wasn't yes. like i read it and then i was like i pitched Ooh. it to you and i said you could be i got to be the first yeah I, I try to flower up my proposal but yeah it's a good comic just um that's what change your expectations maybe if you see it in the bookshelves and it's going to continue and it has a really sweet sort of way it's going and oh, so it's an ongoing thing it's not yeah, a one-off yeah the hus- the husband who comes to stay is adorable and lovely Aww. and um it's as much about sort of a culture clash oh that's interesting um, as anything else and the little girl in question is adorable and it's it's he's homophobic in the way that he's never really thought about it okay um it's it in the way that a lot of people are homophobic. Yeah. And actually, um, this is kind of a spoilery bit, but one of the sweetest moments is that one of um, the little girl's friends at school, a, mm. a boy, a male friend, hears that she has her uncle's husband staying with him, and then the child sort of hangs around the house and essentially wants advice about being gay from this, like, big Canadian bear... <laughs> It's very sweet, and like that's the thing. It it it. That's lovely. I'm glad I didn't sort of put it down out of yeah annoyance, anger, annoyance, frustration. Um, and I kind of had to change my mindset. Mindset. That's cool. Yeah. So that's what I read recently. Aww. The other thing I'm, I'll be very quick about is that I mentioned I didn't, but I told you to mention Master yeah, of in, None in our interlude our episode. Interlude episode. Um, it's one of my favourite Netflix shows. It's so good at showing every side of a story, and I don't mean that in a kind of annoying way. There's a great episode that starts with... It's basically Aziz Ansari's I'm Sort of Playing Myself But Not show. Yeah. Um, there's a great episode when him and um, Eric Wareheim's character leave a club and are just strolling down New York, perfectly happy, with, like, sweet, bumpy music, and then you see the girl they were talking to walking down a street from New York with, like terrifying music and <laughs> like just keeps cutting oh, that's between a little on the nose they just sort of yeah. keeps cutting between their experiences there's an amazing episode where you just follow different people in new york one of them is deaf mm-hmm. and um is signing with her husband in a store about something really rude vaginas about yes, vaginas i saw and then that another deaf woman another deaf person says like can you please keep it down my like, children my children know american sign language and, and these like, two oh, kids so going around signing vagina, vagina. yeah it's so good i, it, saw, it, I didn't realize that was from master of none no. i saw the gifts uh, for a show so there's a lot of shows where oh it's a story about me but not really mm. Aziz Ansari's take on this is to put so much spotlight and focus on other people. Mm-hmm. There's whole episodes he's not in, and like it's a very unique. And there's just one episode I want to talk about. It's completely self-contained. Mm-hmm. If you just want to watch it, um, I think it's episode eight of series two. It's the Thanksgiving. It's called Thanksgiving. Um, I mentioned on a gay best friend episode that the only uh, 
one of the few female equivalents I could find of that, of the, of the lesbian best friends in Master of None. Mm-hmm. This character doesn't get a huge amount of screen time, but there's a whole episode about her growing up, childhood, coming out to her mum, bringing a girl home. Her mum's mm-hmm. played by Angela Bassett. Oh, um, wow. It's stunning. I think it got an Emmy nomination. Cool. It's lovely. And mm. that's on my list of Netflix things where I can tell you watch that episode, but you don't need to watch the rest. No, but good. hopefully it make you want to watch the rest. Cool. I just wanted to get through those two. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. That's fine. Just want to say before we move on, um, I haven't seen it. I don't think it's out yet, but I'm super excited for Jessica Williams' Netflix show, The Amazing mm-hmm. uh, Jessica James, just because I love her. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very excited and I'm very gay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, Sorry. There's some things I want to talk about for a long time. There's some things I just want to be like, please watch this, please watch yeah. this, and then we'll watch talk. Watch this thing and we'll talk about it yeah. more later. But yeah, ho- uh, hopefully that'll probably be a, a topic for a, a future geek out. Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to talk about it now? Yes, please do. <sighs> okay, you guys. <laughs> Let me talk to you about a little podcast called The Penumbra, which is as fun to listen to as it is to say. Um, <laughs> it um, started as... Um, it sort of changed away from what its or- um, original vision was, of sort of like a, a Twilighty Zone-esque show, like an anthology. Mm-hmm of uh, different stories every week it's a it's a bi-monthly bi-weekly you get two a month however you uh, choose to determine bi-weekly and bi-monthly in mm. in that and what's wonderful about uh the penumbra is the creators um i should have written them down um uh, i know their names are sophie and kevin i can't recall their surnames off the top of my head because okay. i'm just very excited to talk about it and i had a can of energy drink so my <laughs> caffeine levels are just spiking right now shouldn't have had that with the tea um, but part of what they wanted to do was take stories that we, you, we know and change them up, uh, do something different with them, get rid of like the aspects that we don't like mm-hmm. and do something different with them. And their first episode, oh, sorry, their first story, which very much became a recurring character that kept coming back to, is a sci-fi noir set mm. on Mars, like, uh, I think it's like 5,000 years from now. In the future, uh, humans have colonised Mars, and their first thing they wanted to do was, with this detective story, is have an omphetal. <laughs> and, yeah, that was where it started. And for, they've gone on from there. Um, they have a, a Western story with a genderqueer cowboy who's mm. like a Native American and this woman falls in love with her and they have a fantasy thing that's also become sort of their main recurring story called The Second Citadel and their first story we had from them had these two brothers, one of whom I feel is heavily coded as perhaps autistic the second is disabled um, can't walk and he talks about his trials to try and become a knight of the land and it's really amazing stuff like these creators are really dedicated to bringing stories they call themselves like um is radio plays and so much love and heart goes into these and this is when we talk about queer creators because mm. it matters to them to put these things into uh, stuff and it's not box ticking no it's, it's real stories. and what's great is you often see like um characters with varying degrees of um being neuroatypical as well which is and it's just part of the narrative, and it's wonderful. Um, Hamish got to deal with me messaging him about <laughs> one of the stories, which is, there's a knight in this who's kind of gay for a giant lizard. <laughs> <laughs> 
but it, what's what's kind of wonderful about that is this character Sir Damien has anxiety and clearly has like anxiety disorder and lives in this society and it's um it's as I described it it's less about gay panic because it's more like this person is a giant monster and my job is to slay monsters and he's mm. also very much in love with a woman but it's sort of just like holy shit bisexual panic <laughs> yeah, bestiality panic but uh it's it's beautifully acted and beautifully written but i have to tell you guys more about the sci-fi noir because as mentioned when hamish and i were coming up with a name for our podcast <laughs> we talked about how bitching our surnames are as a pair and we said how uh steel and rose it sounds like a pair of pis mm. the name of the pi in this sci-fi noir is juno steel Mm-hmm. Spell without the second, without the uh, the e on the end, but and Juno Steele is a bisexual, non-binary, private eye, and I wanted to sob in joy. And what's wonderful is they've purposely said they don't use the term bisexual and non-binary within the text because it's like it's the future, and they don't want gender and. Um, sexuality to be a thing anymore but it's shown through action it's shown mm-hmm. tell Juno might not use these words to describe himself but in the first episode we see him having this deep interaction with this homme fatale who will not stop flirting with him mm-hmm. and there's kissing and it's lovely but in the next episode we see him having a similar sorts of interactions with a woman Mm. And it goes on like that. And um, the big thing about him being non-binary is Juno refers to himself as a lady. And it's just like very much just part. And other people do as well, like uh, a drink for the lady. It's just like a part of that world is this character. And it's such a beautiful deconstruction of um, that trope of the world-weary detective. Like Juno clearly suffers from like clinical depression. Mm. And what's great is the creators have said, no, he's just depressed. Nothing happened to him to make him this way. He is depressed. But he also is wallowing in his own man pain. He, mm. like, is very bullshitty about a lot of stuff. And he's quite frequently a horrible person to people. But he's also so very loving and things like that. And it just makes me really happy that this character fucking exists. Yeah. He's human. He's non-binary. He's bisexual. He's an interesting character. And in this one of the adventures, the Omvital comes back and they're using as an alias the surname Rose. And I nearly <laughs> died again because I'm just like, this show, <laughs> this show. But yeah, guys, check out the Penumbra podcast. It really is a wonderful thing. I love the Juno Steel adventures. I love the Second Citadel stories. How many episodes? Um, I believe the first season is 10. 12 episodes but each episode themselves is only about 30 30 to 45 minutes so it's easy to get through yeah so do check it out and uh, let me know what you think of it guys but um yeah they're on twitter and tumblr and tell them we sent you (laughs) because like as a performer it's the sort of thing that i listen to and go man i live near that wish i lived near there so i could audition because i would love to be a part of the penumbra like yeah it's super inspiring as a creator and as a performer and as a queer person so it's lovely I'd love to do a dramatic or a audio play podcast. Yeah, well, just I have a possible plan for me. It's just yeah. I'm not very good at writing. I, I'm I'm waiting. And busy. you're busy, and you're hideously busy. 
Um, the audio thing I've been listening to, I'm, again, I'm going to be very brief, is that I listen to... So Big Finish is the company that makes all the Doctor Who audios. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listened to their recent 10th Doctor and Donna series mm-hmm. um, with David Tennant and Catherine Tate back. Hell yeah. Um, I love Big Finish, but uh, a thing I... A criticism... Maybe it's because I did write for them and I've seen it record, but I find sometimes the actors I can tell are in a booth mm-hmm. and I don't think that's... I thought that's something you couldn't really fix, but David Tennant <laughs> has been dying. I think he's wanted to do Big Finish more than be, be, the, the, do- be yeah. the actual Doctor, because I think this is like, now I've made it. Yeah. Now I'm a proper Doctor. Yeah. Um, he, You can tell he's jumping around and f- flinging everything and... Making the so, audio engineers' lives hard. Yeah. He's definitely, like, uh, in terms of all the Doctor actors I've heard on, heard on Big Finish, he's among the most convincing in terms of it just feeling like an, an episode of the series. Yeah. Um, so I just, I mean, Big Finish are quite expensive, but mm-hmm. I do think they are, it's a good thing to support if you like that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Yeah. They have a good app as well. Oh, cool. Um, another quick one for me. Um, I've been, as somebody that doesn't play video games for various reasons, mostly because I struggle to play them, like coordination issues and motion sickness issues, mm-hmm. mostly. Um, I've gotten hooked on um, a couple of people streaming uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds, which is a game that really wouldn't have made any interest to me, I would have thought, except for this stream called Breakfast and Battlegrounds, <laughs> which is done by uh, Waypoint, uh, Waypoint Advice. Uh, Austin Walker, who is the GM from Friends at the Table, which is how I came to find it, mm-hmm. and Patrick Klepek. And their sort of shtick is that Austin is like Patrick's dad, and they're like father and son doing, trying to, to get that chicken dinner, which you get by being the number one ranked player or team. And I just find it very enjoyable to watch for a game that's about, which isn't my usual kind of genre. I just find myself very heavily invested, and it's very funny, and mm. I like these people very much. And yeah, it's just good fun. Check it. if you're interested in like stream. Like Waypoint has got some really interesting stuff. The way they tackle games journalism is really interesting to me. But I just like watching these two people run around playing unknown battlegrounds <laughs> and like trying to get their chicken dinner, and mm. it just really makes me laugh. Um, Have we got time to talk about Doctor Who? How we long have talk- we been talking? Um, it's been almost an hour. The time just flies by with your home Yeah, but I, I think it's been worth it. We've had a long way away. We've got we have. two weeks worth of stuff to catch up with. Let's talk about Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Doctor we have not talked to each other about Doctor Who and how we feel about yeah. the series. Warning, here there be spoilers. Yeah, big spoilers for the last series of Doctor Who. I want to... Read the room a little bit. I love the So, I'm, I'll just say. Yes. The cliffhanger mm-hmm. between the second last episode. Yes. And the last episode, I thought was great and also, Jesus Christ, please not again. Yes. Um, they buried a gay, but... And I won't say, I do think some damage was done. Yeah. I don't think it was completely a good thing. Yeah. But Doctor Who has now joined 
um, the quickly increasing genre of interracial lesbian couples who live forever through technology <laughs> or Hell like yeah. the resurrectual gaze or yeah. um, thing. I have issues with some things. Same. But I did think it was a successful series. I, do, I agree. I think the dynamic between Bill and the Doctor and even Nardole mm. really kind of grew on me over the season. I was pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah. So props to people involved for turning me around on the character. They're, Missy's I, always great. Missy was... She was... Michelle Gomez this season was... Like a, I, I almost wish they had done a bit more of her part of the team. Yeah. Because um, it seemed like they had access to her whenever yeah. they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a, a, a big spoiler again, just going further. It was a delight to see John Sim again because he was yeah. clearly having a ball. It was very fascinating seeing. I mean, even I watched an interview of him and mm. just his eyes were sparkling and yeah. happy in a way I, I didn't see him. Yeah, <laughs> I really wish B- the BBC had been better about spoiling it in their own promo materials. Yeah. Because I kind of knew that John Sim was showing up. And mm. so when Bill met this character, I was like, because that was really good acting and really good prosthetics because I was not sure. And I, my brain just goes, in the back of my head, I was like, that's probably, that's yes. probably. So he turns up in a disguise, which is something the Master loves doing, but... Though not in New Who. That's a, no. That's more, because that's new to, I'm aware of it, but it was really fun. What was fun is that they brought him back to be the sort of devil on Missy's so shoulder. It was, it was very he, good writing, I He think. was dressed and he had a goatee, and so he was sort of just representing the old Master. Yeah. Um, oh, it looks good in eyeliner, by the way. The fact that we got a scene where Missy was putting on lip gloss and he was putting on eyeliner. This is the thing. I remember when Missy first appeared, um, people criticised that why would why would the master start wearing makeup? And he's always been. He's it's it's consistent. The, the John Sim Master has always had eyeliner on. Yeah, but they actually see him do it. It's a different. Yeah, because some people oh like the lash line is just dark. No, no, no this no. is performative. And he doesn't. It that's not commented on mm. i did think it was kind of interesting because the mask was shown to be very sexist mm. but that's in keeping with, with last time we saw him he was a wife beater yes. and was awful yes um and it was such a contrast to the fact that yes missy's evil mm. but it's out of habit yes yeah. and the interactions between john sim and michelle gomez mm. they were a delight I mean, Moffat has written way more multi-Doctor and multi-Master stories than anyone else, but it's just something he does really well. Yeah. Um, what was good is he, it was getting away from a lot of the mythologizing of the Doctor that mm. dogs a lot of his writing, and this wasn't some big overarching plot to save the universe. This was one ship. Yeah, it was such a very... It, for a very big ship, it felt like a very small, intimate story. Yeah, the only thing... Like, it was a very interesting finale. Mm. Um, it was just a good story. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah, we t- we mentioned with Bill uh, getting buried, then resurrected. The way they tackled it, again, now we're getting to specific spoilers of uh, Bill getting converted into a, into a Cyberman, but keeping hold of her humanity and being more of herself than Cybermen mm. usually are. And they did some really fun stuff with cutting away, like how she was perceiving herself compared to how 
outwardly she was being perceived and some, yeah. of, some of the lines she said as herself like you get to imagine that being said in the flat intonation <laughs> of a cyberman which is fun but while i was upset about the bury your gay aspect it the way it continued after that with bill as herself was a credit to her character yeah like bill's journey and her arc i don't while i could have done without it like the more there's aspects throughout the season i could have done without i feel her journey as a person i feel we've come much closer to something that we've seen in past seasons that you and i both enjoy which is that the season should be about the companion mm. and i feel like while bill hasn't dominated the stories her journey has been very this clear through line yeah and it's it it's a shame like she got 12 episodes so she is actually the le- long, the shortest serving mm. new who companion even nardal was in like a couple more yeah um and i have a, a slight i noticed that both bill and martha yeah. the other black companion have had just bad times on the tardis yeah the thing i don't find very convincing about bill is she's very like oh i like i wouldn't have missed it for the world and you sort of add up what she's experienced and it's mm. not been great <laughs> but at the same time her whole thing has been like this desire to learn and experience mm. things i find that very interesting as somebody that's exper- experienced grief and tragedy in their life yeah and i and I just, she could come back the she fact could come that back. the way it has ended um with her being reunited uh with the pilot Mm. And that was like, I did not, th- where there's tears, there's hope, as a, that was such a nice call. That's the kind of Moffat I like. Yeah. And, and the thing, so. And I, I just got her final line, to, because the part's like, um, where, where do you want to go? I, I can take you. And I was like, I've done a lot since we last spoke. How about I take you? Mm. And then she says to the doctor that there's the capacity for Bill to return. Yes. Alternatively, we get our spin-off with Bill and the pilot and me and Clara, and we can just have this glorious foursome of ladies flying around the universe together. So, yeah, the... the, So, just to clarify for people who haven't seen it, Mm -hmm. um, Bill got turned into a Cyberman, but um, a sort of semi-godlike character from the first episode who was also in quotation marks, killed off, um, arrived and saved her, but in a way that was really nice and appropriate, but also out of the blue and not expected. Yes. It It didn't feel like a dissex machina. No. It kind of was, but it didn't feel like a gratuitous arse save. It felt like we naturally got to that point. I feel like if she hadn't come back, it would be a very odd loose end. Yes. The first episode ends with Bill saying, let's go out and find her, and we established that she will always find Bill no matter what. Yeah. Um, and just the fact that Bill was, she was sort of, you know, buried mm. your gaze, but saved specifically because of her love for this for other a girl. Yeah. Um, I actually, and like, the image of her kissing her mm. on BBC One, on the biggest yeah. show ever, was so lovely and it was so romantic. Yeah. And... It was a beautiful sort of action slash romance movie trope being played out by two women, one of whom is it's a black woman. Yeah. That's we don't get to see that. And that was wonderful. 
And I was very angry about how the episode ended because it was a cliffhanger again. <laughs> um, but I'm excited for the season finale. Uh, so yep. the, the Christmas episode. Yeah. Maybe they'll do a good Christmas episode. That might be a shock. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm, I'm excited and I'm annoyed that everyone listening to this knows who the next Doctor is. And, and we, we don't. don't. <laughs> um, but... So, are we, did we... We could talk about D23 because the D23 Expo is happening this weekend. Yeah. Um, I haven't got much to say other than... Um, the trailer for A Wrinkle in Time looks amazing. Yeah. So imaginative and Yeah, lovely. I'm excited for that. They announced the casting for Aladdin, despite there being some weirdness with like not being able to find a Middle Eastern actor who can sing and dance. Yeah, um, that's been a bit of an odd but the, issue. I did see that Kimberly from the Power Rangers movie is going to be Princess Jasmine. Yeah. I and mean, I was like, huh. Didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. She was good. Will Smith as the genie, yeah. I think, is a really cool bit of casting. Yeah. As somebody actually... said somebody said if he doesn't say I've been trapped in that lamp for a millennium, they, well, they're, <laughs> they're gonna demand their money back. I mean the genie's the person who can be meta and self-referential. Exactly. Um it's interesting casting. I'd love to see like nineties fun Will Smith. I think sometimes he's a bit he takes some sad bit... yeah. in films lately. <laughs> Yeah. He just looks a bit, oh, give him, give him a hug. Yeah, so th- um, this could be fun. This yeah. This could be fun. And, like, I, I think there was some footage released from the live-action Lion King that people have been very emotionally compromised by. The yeah. I, I'm really excited by the behind-the-scenes footage for The Last Jedi. Yeah. I mean, Disney feels like it owns everything now. Yeah, that um, kind of got that impression from the con. Uh, all the Disney princesses are coming back for... Wreck-It Ralph 2. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, to, but to see all the actresses there yeah. together, that was just like... <gasps> that's that's interesting. Um, yeah. Avengers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, at this point, I'm I'm excited for Black Panther. Yes. That I'm is... actually excited for Thor 3. Oh, um, and Thor 3, for yeah. no. Taika Waititi. Yeah, like the trailer things. for Thor Ragnarok was definitely just like... Oh, oh, okay. We're cool. going this direction. Terrific. It made me feel like Guardian, the first Guardians of the Galaxy, did. Yes. Um, I don't know. It like d- you can be cynical about Disney owning everything, but and there's a good and that's a reason. To be fair, I do watch a lot of their films and enjoy a lot of them. Very um, much same. I don't like the trend of live action Disney remakes. I, I don't see the, the need. Um, I think that's partly why Wrinkle in Time seems so. Interesting. It's based on a book series, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I want. I've always wanted Disney to use its massive, massive wealth and to buy some properties and do something interesting. Yeah, to make some really nice, unique, original things that mm. in twenty years' time people want remakes of. Yeah, like that'd be cool. I can't think of anything of this generation that's like the defining thing that isn't a remake or a superhero film. Well, Moana was very good. Oh yeah, but like the Disney the animated films are great. Oh, uh, I mean, like yeah, Disney live action just doesn't register on my brain really anymore. But apparently, the Peach Dragon movie yeah. was very good. And that said, I'm intrigued by Mary Poppins. Yes, because that's a book series, and yeah, they never. Uh, I, I I think I saw like a cl- a quote from Emily Blunt saying you can't out Judy Andrews, Judy Andrews, so you got to do mm. something else. Also, it's got Lin Manuel Miranda in it. I'm very yeah. excited. I'm very excited to see him. Acting, Act, it's feel that feels like it might be his breakout into like big movies. Being a, an actor, you see the face of yeah. Like because I've seen, I've watched some his acting work before. I paid the stupid amount of money to ship two hundred Carters to my house. <laughs> I'm that fan. 
But I'm, I am really excited to see it because I genuinely love Mary Poppins. But I yeah. also love Emily Blunt and I mm. love Le Mamoran. And Ben Wyshaw is Michael, I believe, aged up. I mean, I'm trying to adapt The Wizard of Oz and mm. I feel the same way about Mary Poppins where if you have a very famous film that was so famous and iconic, it prevented the rest of the book series being yeah. told. I think it's okay to yeah, so, uh, step back into We're that. intrigued and excited. Yeah. Disney looks like they could be doing some good... Oh, and The Incredibles too. The Incredibles is my favourite Pixar movie and I am very excited. I actually was very... uh, not expecting that... And that apparently Elastigirl is going to be the main character. And that it just starts... Where the last one left off. On that shot. (laughs) They go. Um, I think it's right to do an Incredibles film because I feel the world of superhero films is very different now. Yeah, no, I saw this great couple of tweets. Uh, Somebody's talking about grimdark in superhero movies and just like how it's not realistic because The Incredibles is my favourite superhero movie. Mm. I think it's amazing and wonderful and joyous and dark and scary and joyful. I think think the reason it took so long is that now there's more some Mm. more things to say about superhero films Mm -hmm. and the family that... Yeah. Um, didn't happen last time. Speaking yeah. of good superhero animated films, I watched the Lego Batman film recently. How was it? I need to see it. I really loved it. Yeah, no, I need um, to watch that properly so we can talk about it properly. Yeah. We can talk about both Lego movies. There's actually an interesting thing to maybe talk about from a LGBT perspective. I may know about what you're talking about. Future episode, maybe. Yes. Um, uh, because, a Batman episode. Yeah. Um, because... Um, yeah, we've got, uh, we're going to be possibly recording a small job lot of episodes together because Hamish is going off to do exciting things in Europe. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, try and get some, maybe we'll tackle Batman. Maybe we could we could just do an all Batman movies episode. Mm. That could be fun. I watched the solo Catwoman movie a few weeks ago. Okay, like, we're going to add that. Right, coming, coming to a podcast episode near you, let's talk about Batman movies. Let's talk about Batman. Let's talk about Bruce. Let's talk about Bruce, baby. Let's talk about... No, right, we're going to end the episode now. Yes, um, this has been one of the longest ones. It has, but um, I hope you've enjoyed hearing us catch up and geek out with you guys. Um, as always, we want to thank Graham Waller, audio overlord, master of the sound waves, for our theme music and helping produce the podcast. You can check out more of his work at grahamwaller.com and his own podcast, The Mix Cave. You should check out uh, Glitter Wolf as well and their track, Night Beast. The album is coming along nicely and it is very cool. Can I do a shout out to another friend's podcast? Please. So I've got a friend, uh, sort of a mutual t- Twitter chummy person, um, DJ Kirtland. He has a podcast called Magical Boys, mm-hmm. which I wanted to promote because it's the premise of our podcast, um, queer me- uh, geeky media from an LGBT perspective, but their Venn diagram of what they talk about is completely off. So they're big video game and anime people. Cool. And I've we have had people come up and say, I love your podcast, it's really nice to hear about geeky stuff from an LGBT perspective. So, and if you like that but want to hear more and check of, out Magical Boys of different things, check out Magical Boys. They're lovely, uh lovely boys. Cool. Um, um if you want to get in contact with us, um we've got our individual Twitters. I'm Jade Oxford Rose. I'm uh Hamish Steele. And we've got a plethora of places where you can find us under the name Box Not Included. Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, at gmail.com. We'd love for you to get in contact. Let us know what you're feeling, what you've been catching up and geeking out over. Our Facebook group, I really want to grow into a nice little community. Mm -hmm. People have started posting things and asking each other's and Yeah, please please do. Our our numbers have been growing every week. I feel like I get maybe Mm. a couple of notifications. People want to join the group and that's great. And there's a reason we made it a a closed group rather than a fan page. Because we want it to be a place for other queer geeks to mingle yeah um but until next time where we mingle again (laughs) yes 
I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And don't let anybody box you in. <laughs>